and verse 1 and 2. These are some verses that we've looked at uh, on a few occasions together on Wednesday evening, and so this will be a good place for us to start um, together tonight. The New King James Version says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And then verse 1 from the Amplified, Therefore be imitators of God, copy Him, and follow His examples. As well-beloved children imitate their Father. Now, when we talk about imitating God, you know, this, this seems like such an over-the-top kind of, you know, instruction, commandment. Uh, you know, if we're going to be real about it. I mean, he, he's not saying this is a suggestion. He's saying that this is a duty. It's a responsibility. And it's kind of like, um, you know, the verse in the Old Testament that talks about um, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And we don't often think of somebody that, that we love who passes as necessarily being a precious thing. But if the Lord says it's precious, it's precious, right? So we can either disagree with him or we can recognize that he has a perspective on death that we may be growing up into, that we may not necessarily fully understand yet. How many of you know, whether you see it this side of heaven or not, there will come a day when you say, you know what, precious, you're right, Lord. <laughs> it, it is, okay? And in the same way, when he says be imitators of God as dear children, if we try to look at this as, as just from like a, uh, a religious mentality as as something that we should try to pull off by our own strength and ability and efforts, then we got the wrong perspective on this. In other words, we, we don't need our perspective on this. We need Father's perspective on this because for Him to uh, tell us to do this, right, means that we actually have the ability, the capacity to follow through on this and do exactly what it is that He would have for us to do. Now, as far as review is concerned, leading up to um, the last time we were together on Wednesday night, we talked some about discipleship. And we went into the original language and we learned that discipleship is this God-given um, process by which one person assimilates themselves into a, another person. Now, if that seems extreme to you, let me just try to give you some real basic natural examples to what is ultimately a very deep and spiritual truth and reality. But have you ever noticed, like, the more you hang out with people, the more you may begin to talk like them. You may begin to use mannerisms and expressions that, um, that they use just because of the influence that they may have upon you by being uh, around them, we tend to sharpen one another like this, amen, biblically. Uh, but this same process can, can work in a negative way 
the Bible talks about wrong companions corrupt, you know, good manners, good, good behaviors, habits, and things of this nature. But you can also, um, you know, hang around um, healthy, awesome, mature, developed people, and and they bring you up to a higher level just because you're around them and they're, we say they're rubbing off on us. And I guess we could say that they're rubbing off on us, but what's really happening is that, that they're influencing the way we think, the way we speak, and, 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 and how all of this uh, you know, ultimately functions in our life. So that's just a natural, basic example of what is an otherwise a very deep and spiritual concept. When, when Jesus was... Um, discipling, uh, didascoing his uh, methetes and methetrias, again, original Greek words, he wasn't just teaching them to, uh, to relay to them what he knew, but he was teaching them for the purpose of reproducing himself in them. I'm going to say it again. He was teaching them for the purpose of reproducing himself in them. Now, when we begin to see this bigger picture of our destiny, we begin to see in the scriptures that the plan of God from before the beginning was to see all of his children conformed. Romans 8, we'll get to these verses later. Let me just go for a minute while it's just on a roll here for a minute. Where it's his desire and destiny for all of his children to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus. You see, Father's got big plans for you. I, 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 I shared with you by the Holy Spirit a few weeks back that you're God's idea. Okay, he's not your idea, you're his idea. And it's way past time for us to really understand what he was thinking when he was thinking us. Okay, what he really intended for our lives to be and to become and, and, and what it is about us that he is so fixated upon and so in love with and, and we're the apple of his eye. He sings over us while we sleep at night this tremendous price that he paid to redeem us just to give us the opportunity to come back into alignment with the plans and purposes and ultimate destiny that he had for our lives. And when we begin to look at some of these different components, when we begin to look at some of these different things like conform to the image of his son, when we begin to see things like the works that Jesus did, we'll do also. And, and what we've looked at in the opening tonight, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. How about when Jesus told us to love other people the way he loved us? wasn't a suggestion. It was a new commandment. But the very fact that he would command us to do that, again, is revealing that he sees something about us and knows something is true about us that we may not yet know or understand or see ourselves. Don't ever, please hear me. I'm, I'm going to get a little firm with you now. Don't ever, as a born-again person, refer to yourself as just a mere man any longer. You are not. You are not a natural man any longer. You have become a supernatural man or woman of God. You are not limited to what you can produce in your own physical strength and ability. You never were meant to be. And we see that Christ in us, amen, Christ in you, the Bible says, is this confident expectation of all that God is, of all that God has, and of all that God can do. That's what it means, the hope of glory. Now we'll get to some of these things at a later date. So I have um, expressed to you this phrase and communicated to you this phrase um, many, many times over many, many years. But we're here again 
tonight, and we see that the goal of discipleship is the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. In other words, what became true about you the moment you passed from death to life, the moment that you went from someone who was darkness to someone who is now light in the Lord, okay? The the moment that you passed from death to life, the moment that you became a new creation, something became true about you in that moment that was not previously true about you. You became something. You became someone. You became this new creation. Not not new in the sense that next in a, a long line, but new in the sense of new as one who's never been like you before. Amen. A new creation in Christ Jesus. And the goal then of discipleship, the whole point and purpose of discipleship is for the inward reality of the new birth, what's true about you inwardly, to become an outward expression of life. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to continue to build on this as it relates to the love that we were uh, initially started down this road to talk about, is do you see how those 15 characteristics of the love of God, which God is love, so these are also 15 characteristics of God, when he tells us to imitate him, that is, that is a list of, if you will, um, characteristics that, that, that should be, uh, again, a reality in our lives. Now, I want to be real careful here because th- this is where, um, you know, half-truths and whole lies and whatever, you know, where people get, you know, so caught up in this. We've got to come to this conclusion, and it's a very important conclusion, okay, that we cannot do this without Him. Father created you to live on a level of life experience that you cannot get to without Him. And a desire for that life experience is, is in you. In other words, wanting to do more, wanting to experience more, wanting to accomplish more, wanting to be of better and more benefit to other people and, and, and having more resources to, to, to make a difference in this world and, and, and advance our Father's kingdom. All of this, these, the devil obviously tries to pervert those desires and, and he tries to, to channel those into greed and selfishness and things of that nature. But, but, but the desire in you to do more, to have more, to be more is ultimately a godly desire. It's in us. We hunger for it. We long for it. Amen. But here is the thing you've got to understand. Father has made it so that you cannot experience that level of life and living on your own without Him. You'll never get there without Him. Okay? And so when we talk about being an imitator of God, He's not telling you to do that in your own strength and ability. He's not telling you to say, okay, God, step aside and watch me go. Absolutely not. Man, i got to be careful here tonight. This will be scattergun sermon. i got so many things on my heart. But let me... Have you ever... Have you ever um, heard the expression, uh, and, and it could be used in different ways. Um, maybe somebody's about to go on stage and sing, or maybe uh, an athlete's about to take the field and compete, or, or maybe somebody is a very skilled artisan, and they're, and they're about to, uh, um, you know, produce some work of art. And, and the phrase, 
would be said in that moment, um, show them what you've got. You, you ever, have, am I the only one? Have you ever heard that? Show them what you got. All right, man, show them what you got. Okay? Oh, so you play the guitar. Well, show us what you got. Right? Oh, so you can, you can slam dunk a basketball. 360, show me what you got. Right? In other words, the idea is, you know, show me what you're capable of doing. Show me uh, your skills. Show me your talent. Put it on display for me. Okay? Now, if, if you could hear the Holy Spirit speaking deep inside of you tonight, this is what he's saying to you. Not show them what you've got. He's wanting you to show the world who you've got. Show them who you've got. Are you hearing me? Show them who you've got. Amen. Because you've got him. Amen. He is in you. And he is not in you taking a nap. He is in you under pressure. Jesus identified the Holy Spirit in you as a fountain springing up as a river. Rivers are not static. Rivers are not stationary. Fountains are not static. Fountains are not stationary. They're bubbling. They're percolating. Rivers are flowing. Amen. And he's wanting you and me to show the world not what we've got. That's, that's carnal. That's fleshly. Show them who you've got. Amen. I don't know, man. The Holy Spirit spoke that to me Sunday morning. Show them, show them who you got. Amen. I, I, I took the pulpit to show you who I, I didn't say anything about that. Show you who I've got. Amen. I'm not up here trying to lean on my own intellect or my own discipline studies or my own Greek research. Are you kidding me? That's why, see, that's what Paul said. He said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I didn't come to you to try to appeal to your intellect. I came to you in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. He came to show them who he has. On the inside of him. So do you see, be an imitator of God as dear children. He's not trying to, that bar, you can't, it's an impossible bar to reach without God. You, You can never do that in your own strength and ability. And you are deceiving yourself if you think you can. You can try harder, you can try different. And I'm telling you, my friend, you can try hard as you want to without the Lord. You'll never get there. But if you learn to let him not just live in you, but to live through you, see. All right, now, let's get back a little more uh, focused on, on what I need to cover uh, this evening. In, um, <clears throat> let's go to First Peter chapter 2. I'll tell you what, bef- bef- before we do that, let's go back then to, to, to the love, and then we'll go to, you can go ahead and turn to First Peter, but... But do you see why, if we're going to imitate God, if, if, if we're going to display Him, let me tell you how the Bible says it. If we're going to bear His image in this created realm, okay, um, the, the Word of God is very clear. We have bore the image of the man of dust, we have bore the image of the, of the fleshly man, the carnal man. We have, we have showed the world, and the world has had plenty of examples of what it looks like and what it means and where it leads to live by and for your flesh. Okay? We bore that image. Now, he says, it's time to bear the image of the heavenly man. 
to bear the image of the man born from above. That's this inward reality of the new birth. And discipleship, one more time, at least one more time for the night. Amen? Discipleship is about the inward reality of that new birth becoming what? An outward expression of life. You cannot do it through hard work and effort alone. You've got to surrender and learn how to cooperate together with the Lord. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'll put it on the screen, verses um, 2, 3, and 4. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look at me for a minute. He has um, obtained for you by His divine power what you could never obtain for yourself through your own performance and good works and effort. Okay, So as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice the tense here on the, on the verbs, has given. Has given. If I have given you something, then that means you already have whatever that thing is. Are you with me? If I promise to give it to you but have not given it to you yet, then I, I have said that I will give it to you. You need to pay very, very close attention to the verb tenses when you read in the Scriptures because our brains do something really funny, especially with verb conjugation. We'll take past completed works and make them futuristic promises. See, he says, have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, and the, and the religiously influenced mind will hear one day we'll give. He didn't say he will give it to you. He said he has given it to you. Okay? Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Wow. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. This is a really poetic way of saying the word of God that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, all of this ties in with things that have already been covered in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, the Bible says, by the exceeding great and precious promises, by the Word of God, we have been born a second time not of the corrupted seed of Adam, but of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And because we have been born again a second time by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, we have become a partaker of the divine nature of God. Now, if you think I'm stretching these verses to fit, my friend, you... You do not understand what it means to be a born-again man or woman. If you have been born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, watch this now. The Bible is very clear. Seed reproduce after their kind. If the seed is incorruptible, then what the seed produces is incorruptible. 
Okay? So, because we've been born a second time from an incorruptible seed, we have now received an incorruptible nature. The only incorruptible nature is the nature of God. It's the divine nature of God. God's nature cannot be corrupted. Now, the other really important part of all this that that we could spend two weeks on, okay, is that the seed that produces a thing is what determines the nature of that thing. This is why the only way God could change our nature was to change the seed that produced us. We were born the first time from corrupted seed. And the corrupted seed of Adam from which we were originally born produced within us a corrupted nature. The Bible says of this nature in Ephesians 2 that we were by nature children of wrath. We were the offspring of disobedience and we were by nature children of wrath. We weren't just by nature uh, wrathful. It was more than that. It was more than that. It was that we were the offspring. We, we became children of wrath. And, and the offspring, we were by, by, by nature the children of these things, okay? So that means the nature that we received was not necessarily because of sin that we committed, but because of sin that was committed before us that corrupted the seed from which we were born that produced the original, we could call it sin nature, in us. Are you still with me this this evening? So do you see how these things are related? We've now been born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, which has produced within us and and has enabled us to become a partaker of the divine nature. By the way, partaker, are you ready for what it means? It means to have an equal share in the divine nature. Now, if these things seem extreme to you or foreign to you, Let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when God created Adam. The Bible says he formed him from the dust of the ground. But then God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. If I was to take, um, I don't have another cup so I won't make a mess up here, but if I was to take the water in this glass and pour it into another imaginary glass in my other hand, right, then would the water in this glass and the water in the second glass not be the same water? Absolutely. So when God poured his life and nature into the earthen vessel of Adam and Adam became a living being, what life and nature was in him? It was the life and nature of God. But we know that Adam sinned. And we know that as the fountainhead of the human race, his seed became corrupted. You see, you you were born of corrupted seed and you were born a sinner before you ever committed a single act of sin. It's because Adam's seed was corrupted. And we see this in Romans 5. We'll go into it in great length in discipleship class in a few weeks. But, But what happened is that because of Adam's sin, we became sinners. Now, this is extremely important. I'm giving you a lot tonight. Just drink from the fire hydrant with me, okay? But just stay with me for a moment, all right? What we see is that it was not your sin that made you a sinner any more than it's your obedience that now makes you righteous. It was the first Adam's sin that caused you to be born the first time with the nature of a sinner, 
But it was the last Adam, Jesus, it was His obedience that enabled you and me to be born a second time with the nature of God, the divine nature of God, true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians says. Okay? Why am I spending so much time on this? I'm trying to help you understand what the inward reality of the new birth is. It's the divine nature of God. For the inward reality of the new birth to become an outward expression of life means you become a living, breathing expression of the divine nature right here on planet earth. Sounds like an imitator of God to me. Are you, are you, I'm here to connect some things for you. Are you seeing these dots connected? All right, now. The divine nature of God is the inward reality of the new birth. As we've already said multiple times, discipleship is about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. If we had to use one word to sum up the divine nature of God, love. Thank you, Brian. It's love. Sure, He's holy, 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 righteous, all that. Amen. I'm not taking anything away from you. But the divine nature of God is love. See, love's why Jesus didn't sin when He was on this earth. We're going to get into that for a minute. Lord, Lord asked me a question of it. He said, he's, he, he's, he's, he brought, I, mean, I say He asked me a question. I'm having this conversation with Him. He's, I'm in His Word. He's Holy Spirit speaking to me, teaching me things. And so it came to my mind to ask this question. What would have happened if Jesus had sinned? Now, see, here's the thing. Some people don't believe he could. Oh, he couldn't have sinned. How could he have ever sinned? Well, how could he have been tempted if he couldn't have sinned? If it was impossible for him to sin, it would have been impossible for him to be tempted to sin. No, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Have you ever stopped to think for a moment what God the Father was risking by putting Jesus in that situation? My friend, if Jesus had sinned, listen to me. He would have been lost forever and we'd have been lost forever with him. So why did he not sin? He didn't sin because of love. He loved his Father. You you remember, um, you remember, uh, Joseph, I almost said Daniel, but it was, it was Joseph. Do, do you remember when Potiphar's wife kept trying to pull him into bed with her? He's like, I, I, I love my God and I have too much respect for my master to, to do this. He was, I'm sure, a red-blooded man. I'm sure he was, uh, his flesh was attracted to her, but he resisted the temptation, right? It, it wasn't just the threat of punishment, See, we, we, we think, well, you know, you do that, you go to hell. Well, if the threat of hell would keep us from sinning, we'd have stopped sinning a long time ago. It ain't that. It's about, it's about love. You know, we had to use one word to sum up the divine nature of God. I mean, you could certainly put power on the list. But see... When God rolled up his sleeves to get busy on our part and to flex his muscle to, to bring us out of the bondage of sin, he revealed the secret to his power. It's his love. 
So do you see now why we, as partakers of his divine nature, have the ability to love others as he loves us? Are you seeing this? All right, let me, praise God. So I'm not going to read all these verses, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse through ver- chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. We have the 15 characteristics of the love. Then he transitions from giving us those um, to saying that we know in part and we prophesy in part, okay? And that there will come a day where prophecies will fail, tongues will cease. Do not believe that these that that's today. That's not today. Somebody said, well, you know, that's why we shouldn't speak in tongues, you know, because uh, that has uh, ceased. Right, right along with knowledge. Knowledge, ce- no, knowledge didn't cease. Nor did these gifts of the Spirit. He's saying that there is coming a day when these things will transition, okay? That's not before we stand in front of Jesus in heaven. Amen? It's kind of weak. Then he says, verse 11, he talks about, when I was a child, spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So listen to me, please. Let's go back to where we started. Perspective. How Father sees it. Do you realize, let me, let, me, let me show you something. Do you realize that Father is so bold, I'm, I'm going to use a bigger word than mayonnaise, are you ready? He is so audacious that he put in his word for you to imitate him. You know why? It's because he knows in heaven what I hope you do not wait till you get to heaven to know is that you're already like him right now. Because you're born of his seed. Now, some of you have been with us on Wednesday night for some time. Remember, if we, we're not going to do it, but if we were to go all the way back to what Jesus said about if you only love those who love you, what difference is that from the way other people in the world love? If you, if you only greet people who greet you, right? But he's saying that we need to be like Father. We need to love like Father loves, right? And if we do this, we'll be sons of our Father in heaven. That doesn't mean you earn your way into sonship. He's saying you'll be like a chip off the old block. You'll be like your daddy. You'll be a man or a woman after his own heart, one who wants to have a heart in them like God has in him. And then he goes on to say that you will be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. Wow. So now we see in in a mirror dimly. A lot of people read this and they just, you know, okay, sarah, sarah, okay, let's go get a hot dog. I don't know what. No, no. The, the mirrors in their day were made from polished metal. And wealthy people would have a mirror made of metal in their home. And some of them actually had a servant whose assignment was to continually polish that mirror because 
the more polished it became, the more accurate the reflection it would present. So when he says, now we see in a mirror dimly, watch this, very, very carefully, watch this. How many of you can see more clearly in that mirror tonight than you could six months ago? You see. So obviously he's talking about an ongoing process in our lives. But he's not just saying, well, what you see right now is all you'll ever see. No. No. And this doesn't, again, this is confirmed by other related verses to what he's saying right here. Right? So when I was a child, I spoke to a child, and I stood as a child, I thought a child. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So there's, there's coming a day when you will see yourself exactly as you already are right now. Okay? And by the way, it's how Father sees you right now, which makes it seem very plausible for him to say, all right, go imitate me. You're my son, you're my daughter, go imitate me. You've got the ability to do it. You've got the ability to love people like Jesus loves you. Go show them who you got. Okay? Come on now. Go show them who you got. Man, am I, are you picking any of this up tonight? Are you, is this, okay. All right, I know I've got to put the brakes on this at some point. Stay with me for just a minute or two longer, all right? So, now, mirror dimly, then face to face, now I know in part. But I know more parts now than I knew before, okay? Then I shall know just as I also am known. So again, heaven knows the real you. I, I like to say it this way, it's, it's, I don't want to confuse you by it, but See, we've got these different images of ourselves. We've got the true image, we've got our self-image, and then we've got our projected image. We've got who we really are, we've got who we think we are, and then we've got who we want other people to think we are. No wonder people are confused. Okay. But when he says that we will know as we are known, he's talking about there's coming a day when you're going to know the real you like heaven already knows the real you. Okay? Go back to it, though. That's the inward reality. But, but Father God wants us to grow up into that reality so that the inward reality of the new birth is becoming an outward expression of life. You got time for two more verses? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Again, I asked you earlier, pay attention to the verb tenses. The same Bible that says you have been transformed also says you are being transformed, and it also says future you will be. Past, present, future. Spirit has been, soul is being, body will be. We'll talk more about that hopefully next week. Are being transformed into the same image. This is the, this is the image of Jesus himself, by the way. 
spoken of in Romans 8, I believe it's verse 29. All right, I feel like I'm losing some of you. Stay with me just a minute, okay? We all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. So notice now, let's go back to the way some people look at 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and, um, and 12 is that, you know, what you see is all you're going to see until you get to heaven. That's, that's not what he's talking about now. He's, here we see that there's an ongoing process of us seeing more and more. And notice the more we see, the more we are being transformed uh, into the same image from glory to glory, from one level to the next, um, at this incremental, progressive, ongoing work. But again, this isn't, um, it's our cooperative, we're cooperating, but the Spirit of the Lord is the one who's ultimately bringing about these transformations. Amen. All right. Um, let's stand tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man. As long as I've been doing this, I, I um, <laughs> we didn't get half as far into all this as I thought we would. That's all right. Come on, now, I'm not asking you to humor me. Are you getting, are you getting anything out of this? I, I, am, I, am, I am so, so excited about this. But, you know, when we talk about faith to faith and, and, and grace for grace and glory to glory, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, the Word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces, you know. There, there are certain things that you chip and chip and chip and chip and chip away at, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know, it's just like this, this breakthrough, and, and, and you see things more clearly than, 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 you've, um, than you've ever seen them. I, I've been hesitant to, to talk about this, and, and I feel like the Holy Spirit's prompted me to, to say it now. And um, I, I don't, I, just hear me, I praise God. The, the Lord spoke to me um, a little over a year ago to add to my daily Bible reading um, uh Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And, um, and so I committed to, to reading those four books 52 times. Okay. And um, there were portions when I was a teenager that I had memorized um, and, and, and things of that nature. And so I think I mentioned in here, you know, something roughly about, you know, reading stuff out loud after you've read it multiple times. But it was the it was the forty sixth trip through those four books. It it came alive in me. See, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of really amazing just imitators of God as dear children, right? A lot of verses that are just way what, what, what traditional religiously minded people consider to be so far out there, they just read over that part in the Bible like it don't even apply to them, okay? But there are so many verses like that that it, it is literally undeniable what the plan of God is, okay? And that plan is for him to live in you and through you. It's undeniable in Scripture. Undeniable in Scripture. 
anything less than that called Christianity is, is a far, far cry from what our Father had in mind when he had the idea of you. Okay? Amen. More to come. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for helping us lay hold of some really, really important truth, Father. Truth that some say is so deep and who can understand and blah, blah, blah. Lord, they're trying with their own intellect. Lord, we got to let the Holy Spirit gently, methodically, systematically lead us through and, and reveal these things uh, to us and in us and then ultimately, Father, through us. Father, teach us what it means for Jesus to live in us and to live through us. What it means to make the statement that the Holy Spirit made through the Apostle Paul. For me to live is Christ. Father, who did he think he is when he said something that outlandish? I'll tell you exactly, Lord. He understood He understood your big idea. For us to live as your children in this earth is for Christ Jesus to once again live in this earth as he lives in us and through us. Help us embrace this truth and reality, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you for being here tonight. If you, if you have thoughts about this, don't jot them down. Talk to the Lord about it. He's breathing on this for us during this time, and I believe he's going to do some amazing things for you, in you, with you, and through you. Praise God. You be blessed.